Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard Creative Team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Okay, our guest today started his design firm, Joshua Smith, Inc., in 2013 after working for acclaimed interior designer, Stephen Gambrell. Since then, his work has been featured in House Beautiful, Architectural Digest, El Decor, House House and Home, Veranda, and Rizzoli's 2019 book on style. Josh, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I've been so looking forward to talking with y'all. We have been looking forward to chatting with you, and I, I want, well, there's a lot we want to talk about. If our, um, you know, our listeners probably can see from the title of the episode that we're gonna into, we're going to get into talking about wellness of design, and that's something that you've kind of spent the last couple of years focusing on within your business, um, how your home can impact your wellness. But before we get into that, I thought we could start with your background and the way you got into design. You're from a small town in Texas. How did you turn into a New York designer and Stephen Gamble's, you know, like under the tutelage of Stephen Gamble? I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it, you know, when I when I hear it like that, it's, it's pretty pretty amazing to me how this all came about. I am, um, you know, one of those kids that was not necessarily knowing exactly what I wanted to do and didn't think I was very creative because I thought creativity means you can draw really well. And I'm not an artist in that way, but I was really creative and I always had a lot of energy and always had a lot lot of ideas. Um, And, you know, I was involved in lots of things, but being a Gemini, I like flit onto something else and I flit onto something else. But fast forward, you know, into my twenties and I had this rough patch coming, you know, from growing up in a small little country town in Texas in the 80s before the internet. And there was no way to really know and figure out kind of what was going on with me and what I was thinking and feeling. And growing up in the Southern Baptist Church, it was kind of like, ooh, there's some conflicts here. And so anyway, took a little detour into darkness. And when I emerged from that and realized like, oh, wait, no, God does love me and I have potential. And by gosh, it's up to me to go out and do something with it. So I got into real estate, actually, and uh, loved it. Of course, I had always loved homes. And I even remember I used to go through the Sunday paper in the real estate section and I would cut out my favorite ones and put them on my pin board in my uh it was like I was in vision boards at like 10 years old and I didn't even know it. Uh, so it was pretty amazing that I always have been drawn to the home, but um, started selling real estate and started to do really well at that and really got to go in so many houses. This was in Houston, Texas. Um, and so just got to see so many different styles, so, much, so many different types of architecture and just really was always very intrigued by it. And then probably five years into it, I kind of noticed clients saying, Hey, I'm going to do a renovation. What would you do here? And I'm like, Oh, I do so and so and so and so. And what about that color? I'm like, Oh, that's not, that's not going to work here because of that and this, you know, so then it all just kind of became more of an organic process. But when it really clicked was I was buying my first home, um, that needed a gut renovation. And it was uh, two hours outside of Houston, Texas. It was a small little house on 13 acres. My little, it was going to be my little weekend place. I'd always wanted a little country house. And 
I walked in there after closing and I'm like, oh my God, I have no, I don't know anything about decorating. I don't know anything about interior design. What am I going to do? So of course I just went to the, the bookstore, got all kinds of design books and magazines and just one weekend poured into all of that. And I don't know, something in me just started buzzing and I just kind of like woke up because here all of these different designers were saying these things that I was just resting in like, oh my God, yes, yes, yes. And I was seeing that I was really drawn to certain things and I was like, there's something to this, this like power of home thing. I'm not sure. So I merged in the process and just completely fell in love with it. And by the time the house was done, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. Like this makes my heart sing. And this is my contribution to the world. And I'm like, but I'm a real estate agent in Houston, Texas. Like, how am I going to do that? So, you know, I'm a meditator and I would sit in stillness and then listen and listen. And I kept hearing, you got to become an interior designer. I'm like, well, I'm in Houston, Texas. What it was all someone to be like, okay, okay, I've changed my mind. I'm an interior designer. And then it was like, no, you need to go to New York City and go to school and study interior design and the rest will unfold. So literally that was on May. By August, I had sold everything I owned, had been accepted to the New York School of Interior Design, moved to New York City <laughs> with six UPS boxes and um, oh started school. And after that first year, I ended up with an internship with Stephen Gambrell's. And I guess because of my real estate background and, and having that client relation kind of ability, I just kind of like stepped up and was like, I'm going to like crush this this summer and make myself invaluable um, and do the best that I possibly can. And, and it was easy because I loved it. And so at the end of the summer, I was going back to school and it's like, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't let them know that if there was ever a position available, like I would change my school schedule, do whatever to make it work. So that was on a Friday evening. The week before school was supposed to start, my internship was supposed to be over. So I sent that email to the studio director and she replied back and said, well, actually, one of the girls surprisingly gave her notice today. We would love to give you her job as a project manager. And it just all fell into place. Can you believe it? I mean, literally. Amazing. And I turned down another amazing opportunity that was a paid internship with another 8100 designer. But I instinctively knew this was where I was supposed to go and think, gosh, I did. That's luck. That is That's incredible. <laughs> I like how all three of us were like, we're all blown away. It is magic, see? And I always tell people, I'm like, when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in your life, the universe will show up and support you. It just really will. It's like, if things are really complicated and hard and it's not working, you might need to look at, like, maybe this is not the right path because sometimes it just shouldn't be that hard if we're trying to force things like that. But this just kept being affirmations like, yes, I'm in alignment. This is it. This is it. And, um, it just kind of kept blossoming from there. Now, there, it doesn't mean there wasn't hard times and dark moments. Let's be clear, I was bringing home less money than my rent at the time. So there were there were <laughs> definitely challenges and moments of wanting to give up and, and call it quits and be like, I don't think I could make it. I don't think I could make it. And I went home. I remember one Christmas and I was telling my dad, I'm like, I think I'm just going to have to pack it up. And, you know, this has been fun, but I just don't know how I'm going to live like this. And he's like, son, I think you need to stop trying to figure out how it's going to work. And you need to go back and make it work. And I was like, oh, Oh, okay. Um, that's interesting. So I went back basically, and this is how Joshua Smithing was born, is I sent out an email to people I knew and said, hey, I'm taking on some freelance projects. And if anybody hears anybody need any help, let me know. And I got four emails in like a week. And so then I had like a project in Nashville, one in Florida, uh, one in New York, and one in the Hamptons. Small. They were small, but even still. So I literally was working at Stevens all day go to go to the gym and then work on my own projects to like midnight and then on the weekends. And I did that for about six to seven months and then more steps started coming in. So I was like, 
oh my gosh, I could maybe actually do this. Um, and then I just took the leap of faith. That's incredible. And I mean, I'm like, I don't even know where, okay. I know I give a lot. Don't I even lot know where past. to go from here. I mean, I want to ask about Stephen Gambrell because I'm sure he oh. impacted your, you know, your sense of style and I'm sure you learned so much. But then, you know, obviously that is what a whirlwind and, you know, um, and then there's also the the real estate kind of element um, because I, it's so interesting that you said that really impacted the way, or I guess sort of provided the foundation for your client relationships. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Well, and here's what, it, 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 let me tell you, I'll tie that little um, thread all the way through. So I already mentioned that I didn't feel like I was an artist because I could draw. And when I enrolled in the New York School of Interior Design, I was on like I entered on probation because I didn't really have a portfolio, but they was where they were going to let me do it. And my projects from the first semester were going to be reviewed to see if I could continue. And if they weren't up to standards, then I would basically have done it for nothing because then I wouldn't go to the second semester. So I was like so nervous starting. And, you know, I was a little bit older. I was 31. Right. Going back to school. There was all these young kids. And I remember seeing these drawing beautifully. I was like, oh, my Lord. And I'm like chicken scratch drawings couldn't even do a still life of an orange with the shading right and i'm just like i'm not gonna make it i'm not gonna make it um and they the very first guest lecture they had went to that lecture and um he started off his whole topic with this most people think interior design is all about creativity he said but i'm here to tell you that interior design is 10 percent creativity and 90 percent execution and if you don't know how to ex execute your visions You'll never make it. And that's when that moment I said, you know what? I got that 90% nailed. So I'm going to be okay. And it was really that statement that was like, I don't have to be the best drawer. That's not what this is all about. This is about having created creativity, vision, being able to communicate it, express it, and then execute it. And I'm like, I, I can do that. Um, and it really was the client relationships that I think helps me to establish rapport really easily. Clients were able to pick me when they were interviewing multiple designers. Um, and, you know, a lot of my clients are still with me 10 years later, then house after house after house and uh, seeing kids grow from one girl. I think it was she was like seven when I did her room first and now she's 17 graduating high school. So it's just amazing from that perspective. And I think it really is that client relationship aspect of it that is so important mm -hmm. because then that leads to referrals and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I love, um, you know, I loved getting like pouring through your portfolio. I felt like I could see the thread maybe from some of um, Steven's work. And I wonder if you felt like, you know, it's like sort of some of those transitional lines, classic, um, you know, architecture and a lot of sort of uh, traditional ways of treating the room, you know, the draperies and stuff. But then the lines a lot of times were are very clean and um, sort of soothing palettes and, um, and I was just curious kind of where that, is that something that you uh, connected with him or is that like, is that something that was already in you or is that something that you sort of have learned? Is that just what your clients like? Where, where does that style kind of come from? Yeah, that's a good question. And I have not been asked that before. And I, I really, that's a, a great question. You know, it's interesting that, you know, I used to sit there because of course, I, even after that house was built, I just like, couldn't wait for the new issues to come into my mailbox because I would just like, everybody stop, turn off the phone, and I just look through those pages. And I remember seeing Stephen's um, 
West Village apartment that's kind of famous, that image of the, like the blue chairs and the drapery. And, and that was just like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Not really clicking Stephen Gambrell really even at the time. Um, but what I'll say we have a lot in common is like, I love things with age and imperfection. And I don't necessarily want fine, super waxy, polished antiques um, because that's just not how I live or even, I mean, I'm just such a casual laid back person and I want to feel comfortable and I want my guests to feel comfortable. And if it's too fine, people just can't feel relaxed and comfortable because they're afraid they're gonna leave a watering on something. But so Stephen also too has this love for things with patina and texture and age and story. Um, and it's so curated in that way. Um, and it feels so collected from that standpoint. So we definitely had that in common for sure already. Um, but he's a master at the way he puts it together. And even just moving something two inches can change the whole thing because he also told me about negative space, which had never really occurred to me and how important it is that things have negative space in order for the other things to really take center stage. And so if you don't know what negative space is, that means the space where there's nothing in it, um, which you sometimes you'll hear people refer to as like, that's why you need to edit, you edit. And it's to create that space for things to actually have breathable room around them so you can really see their form um, in a more clear way. And as far as color goes, I would say, you know, it's, it was, it's wild. Like Stephen is the master probably, you know, he and I was right in, in many ways in terms of like going bold with colors and mixing colors that you never would have thought would have gone together. I remember with one paint schedule I was working on with Stephen originally in one room, there were going to be 16 different colors from like window sashes to trims and details to like the doors and three doors. I mean, it was unbelievable how he would put these complex things together and they're beautiful. Now, for me personally, I've always been more muted, a little bit more of kind of like, let's say mercurial in a way. Um, so I've never been one to want to live in bold color. I love to visit bold color, but I don't want to commit to it. Um, and so what I did learn from Stephen though, is that mix of coloring. And so I'm able to kind of work in this very nuanced way with maybe softer colors, a little more washed out colors, but some of mine might have 10 colors in a room and you may not realize it because it's so nuanced. And I think I also really love monochromatic schemes. You'll probably notice a lot of that in mine. And um, that could come, become really boring if you're not, if you don't know how to like work with a many, many, many shades of blue in one room from not just textures, but even just the, the, the tonality of colors and the intensity of those color values. So, so much was learned, even really in a short amount of time, just from watching you know him work and interacting with him in many ways. What would you say to someone who is struggling to um, maybe, like mixing blue, I love that just that as an example. Like, I think so many people sort of get hung up on like, but it doesn't match. It's not the same. So but I can't use it. That was hard for it. me too. Yeah, because I grew up where it's like, I mean, that was the whole thing. It's like, well, does this match? Does that match? I don't know if that matches. You know, it's like that was always the conversation. It's always the up. question. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, well, this this doesn't match. Um, and then I realized it's like, oh, wait, like if you think about like fashion, all these things, it's like it's actually not supposed to match exactly. Um, but that's sort of like our instinct is to want it to be exact. But I think there definitely has to be a relationship and there definitely has to be a language. And I think we kind of know when we see it in a way that's like, oh, yeah, these two really do work together. It's like mm, they don't. So I even kind of see it like this. Every color, whether it's a warm or cool color, has a warm and cool version in a way. So like blue, for example, for me, when it goes more of like the greenish brownish side of blue, 
um, it, it's a little bit warmer. Mm-hmm. And if it goes more towards the little purple and red, it, it, it feels a little cooler to me. And so I think noticing those types of subtleties is, is really important. Mm-hmm. And so like if you're going to work with more of the purpley side of blue, then kind of hang over there and then maybe do one punch of this, right? But this is the dominant and this is the accent, even within a monochromatic scheme. Um, so I think I think that's probably one of the, the, the easiest ways to start to really do that. And then one other advice Stephen gave me was that I said, every room needs a little bit of clash to make it interesting. Mm. And I was like, huh, clash? But it's That's actually true word. because it, yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, it was a clash. Especially like the way we put our clothes together growing up, right? It was like, oh no. Uh, but actually, and that's that's very hard for me because I'm such a like, you know, very zen, like organized thing. So for something to kind of clash a little bit, but I've seen as I've gotten more confident in my design choices and abilities um, to take more of those risks. And then you're like, oh, wow. Like that actually, like actually this just happened last week. So I'm working with my first project where somebody came to me for a ton of color and they're like, I love your work, but I want you to do a ton of color. I'm like, what do you mean a ton? She's like, I mean like punch it up. <laughs> I've never had color, and I, but I love your style, but I need a lot of color and I want a lot of pattern. Can you do it? I'm like, I've always wanted to do it. Yes, I can. I can do it because I'm known for different vernaculars, like from mid-century modern to country houses to city apartments. Like I, I get, to, fortunately I get to work in all those, those architectural styles, but people usually ask for some of the similar things. So anyway, I'm working with her and like, magentas, purples, citron, it's just going to be wild with like organic floral wallpapers and grass cloths. And I mean, just so fun. I'm just having a blast. And I found this like fabric and I'm like, at the, I was at the DT and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't, what, why am I drawn to this? Cause this is not pretty. It's not something I would normally like, but I'm like, it's very interesting. I'm going to go, I'm going to go and get a sample just in case. Well, as I'm putting out this scheme and she was actually wanted to come and do it with me. So we were like doing it or whatever. I'm like, this is going to be a little out of left field, but like, I don't know what it is about this, but I'm like very intrigued by it. She's like, me too. Like our inspiration was a Fortuny dress. I mean, like it's kind of a dress that looked like a Fortuny fabric. So this was like the opposite of that. It was almost like something that, you know, your great grandmother would have worn as a skirt back in the 1940s, kind of very like William Morris in a way. But we're using it as the banquette cushions with like fuchsia pinstriping. It's kind of like green and green and cream. And so with the other stuff, and like it's going to be stunning, but it does clash a little bit, but in an interesting way. So stay tuned because I hope it works. <laughs> no, it, it actually will. I'm, I'm confident in it. <laughs> I don't know, in keep case she's listening. That, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm very confident with the choice we made. Don't second guess us. <laughs> Well, it was funny because even as we were doing it, like it was out of her comfort zone to keep going bold and, and definitely out of mind because some because even the first round of colors, I'm like, is this kind of the color? She's like more, more colorful. And I was like, I don't even have any of those colors in my fabric library. Right, right. You're not gonna neon. Have to go to the- <laughs> not neon quite. And then she had originally told me this was kind of before Barbie Corp became a thing that we started and we were she wanted to do pinks and greens. I'm like, we're gonna have to like get a little more sophisticated. Otherwise, they were going to think you have a Barbie core apartment. <laughs> and I don't think that's the direction you want to commit to long term. Anyway, we've just had a blast together. Um, and and I'm super excited to see this one come to life. Well, OK, we were talking you were talking earlier about editing. And <clears throat> I do feel like yeah, you, you you know, you mentioned um, working in lots of different styles and styles of homes and, you know, really kind of tailoring it to each client. but. I do feel like there's a, sn- a sleekness, I guess, that is in all of your projects. And I guess this is what I kind of meant with, 
I see that in Stephen Gambrell's work too, but that, that sleekness sort of, do you feel like that's, um, that's that editing element or is that like, where does that come from? Because it, it's almost just, I don't know. It's the thread, I guess, that links your projects, I thought. Yeah, I think, um, I think a lot of it has to do with, and we'll, we might get into this because it, I mean, kind of like mental health and well-being. And it's like, there's something about clean lines and symmetry that our brains naturally just kind of respond to and react in a certain way. There's the golden ratio and like all these things that have been around forever. Um, and just for me personally, I know when things might be overly ornate or busy and you put a lot of those in one room, it's very overstimulating for me. I, I, I do feel distracted, like it could be too much, especially to commit too long-term in an investment purchase piece. So I love antiques um, and I love old pieces, um, but I'm, I'm not one to have things be overly ornate or opulent because that's just not, it, like I said, I love to visit that, but I don't need to live in that. Um, and so for me, it's about really creating a sense of harmony and peace um, and even thinking about the energy you're creating in the space. And so I just find that kind of working in these more cleaner lines and using those more ornate, intricate pieces as a sculptural art. And that's, that's what they become. If you only have like this very like baroque mirror in this other sort of like understated room, well, you've made that mirror, not only a mirror, but it's the piece of sculpture on the wall um, because it's the only one in the room. So I, I, I kind of find it really probably comes from a place of more of just like creating that sense of like peace. People always come in and they're like, gosh, like it was, it was, it was pretty when I saw the pictures, but it like feels really good. Um, and that's kind of what I'm always going for. Like clients will come to me at the beginning and they'll say, so, you know, here's a picture of this. I want it to look like this and look like this, but maybe with a little bit of this. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Before we get into how you want it to look, I want to hear how you want it to feel. And they're like, what? I'm like, no, how do you want, let's go through each room and tell me how you want to feel when you're in this room. And I think that's such an important part of the equation when it comes to that, because there are so many things that can influence that particular mood or feeling that you're wanting to experience based on color theory, color psychology, so many different things, right? So um, it's, but yeah, it always, it always kind of stumps people when I, when I do ask that question. So what, okay, what elements in the room, sorry, Liz, I, th I think you're trying to, okay, <laughs> I just have to ask this question first. Okay, what elements in the room though are creating the feeling? Is it the furniture? Is it the upholstered furniture? Or is it something is it like it's the relationship between the items? See, so yeah, I mean, I think definitely it's um, it's 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 about it's definitely the individual pieces too, but there's something about the relationship between the pieces, and I love the word that how you use the word thread because I'm always thinking that, and in my projects, want to do, I'm like, what is the thread that not only connects this room, but I also feel like houses shouldn't be like every room shouldn't be a, a different theme. Like what is the connected thread that runs throughout this entire house? And I always need to know what that one is. Cause I feel like no matter what you do in that room, as long as there's a tie of that thread running throughout, then it feels like it's supposed to be here with this house. Um, and sometimes blue is often that thread for me. Mm. If there's maybe a touch of blue in every room, then that becomes the thread that keeps it very cohesive. But I think a lot of times it's about the relationship. Like I said, if you've got two very clean lined sofas that maybe have a single seat cushion, like you've already got kind of a cleaned up thing versus a bunch of pillows, right? So you kind of like 
made that a little more quiet. So then you could go a little bit louder with accent shares and maybe they do have more ornate, um, less unclean lines, but it's like kind of finding the balance of what that is um, in terms of of what what gives that sense of feeling. Okay, I wanna go back to like that, the whole idea of like, how do you wanna feel in this room? But like, how do you wanna feel in this house? Like, should there be a hierarchy of feelings of course, you want for your house versus like how you feel when you move through the different rooms. Yeah, we start with the overarching. I ask, I actually take people through a series of forty questions when we get we start working together. And I say, look, I know this is going to feel like therapy, and, we, and we, we're going to go deep. We're going hard to hard here. <laughs> and I said, and I said, with, if it's a couple, I'm like, y'all might learn things about each other because I've had this happen that you didn't know even after ten years Amazing. of marriage because we're going there. And they're like, they kind of look at me a little bit crazy, and I'm like. Just trust me, this is going to be interesting. Um, and I and I do ask that question. I, I One of the first questions I say is, I'm like, how do you want to feel when you walk in your door? When you're at home, what's the overarching feeling you want to have when you're there? Um, and you hear all sorts of things. And then I also say, and then we're going to do that room by room. And then I also ask the question is, what do you want other people to say and feel when they think about being in your home? And it's very interesting to hear the, the, the different things that people want others to experience or think about their home when they visit or when they when they leave. Um, and so that's always another interesting perspective. And my job in asking these 40 questions is because then I take what you said, but I also take what you didn't say, but I heard. Um, and then I synthesize this and I actually kind of write it out. It almost looks like a horoscope, really, <laughs> because I'm basically kind of like analyzing all these questions and like putting it together in almost like a story format of all these things. Because like maybe uh, I had this one time where I asked she was talking about greens and hiking and doing all this stuff in the woods and, um, you know, wanting to do something different. But she was also very feminine in her clothing, um, you know, pinks and, you know, the, the pearls. And I was just like. I love that you're like out there doing it, doing it all. Um, but I wanted to make sure she didn't forget that part of herself. And so then when I asked her, I said, well, tell me about your favorite books. She's like, oh, gosh. She's like, I'm, you know, I'm a sucker for all the classics, Pride and Prejudice and Lee Bronte. I'm like, aha, there's the romanticism that I knew and kind of like intuitively was guessing was in there. So I'm like, how are we going to incorporate that aspect of who she is into this space. And so, of course, the obvious ones are like, you know, how to, some soft pinks and blushes are maybe going to be accents somewhere to kind of give her that little essence of, of, of that energy that comes from that color. Um, so those are just a few examples. Uh, one more quick example is I had a client who I would I, I often ask people a lot about childhood and I'm, I ask them to tell me their favorite memories. Um, of what they remember. And there's usually themes between a couple of those memories or their most proudest moments. Um, but this one, he was telling me about when he was a kid, he just loved airplanes, which is obsessed, 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 just all, all about him and wanted to see him. Um, and so when we were, when it came to finding art for his home, and he's also an entrepreneur with a new startup business, is I found this amazing black and white photograph of like this propeller and a plane taking off, but it was kind of just half of the plane and you could like see it rising through the sky. And we hung it opposite his bed so that every morning when he woke up, he would know he needed to rise to new heights that day. So it's these types of things that your home can really help support too. you. <laughs> 
Well, it's, I mean, that's, that's really what I get. I kind of get into. It's like, you know, when we have this body, mind, spirit conversation, we can't forget our spaces because our spaces are where we spend most of the time that are impacting our mom, body and spirit. So to leave that out of the equation is to not really participate in the whole wellness equation because it's so important. And if you're going to write sticky notes on your mirror, well, you might as well hang beautiful art that's going to give you the same message visually. Um, and so I really do try to incorporate a lot of those things um, when I'm working with my clients, because even though it technically comes through my lens in some ways. Yeah, I do always tell them it's a co it's a co-creation. It's a it's a collaboration here. My job is to help figure out the essence of you and have that reflected in this space. And I'm going to help you pull it together. But uh, I'm really going to get to the heart of you. And so what happens when I do that questionnaire is then when I go to do presentations, people are like, God, I love, I love everything you've done here. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I did the questions. You know, so there's not just time back and forth because it's like, I really listened to you and I heard you and um, and incorporated all that, that I thought you would love and like into these different things for fabrics and textiles. And because of course we get into textures and colors and ask people their favorite seasons, of course, which lets me know, are you drawn more to the cool side of things or the warmer side of things? Just all these things that make people feel good can tell you a lot about how they want their homes to look and feel, even if they don't even know how to communicate it. Okay, well, let's get into the wellness of design because um, that—that's sort of like you know, you you gave us a little a little um, preview, but where how did this uh, sort of like I guess angle to your design business? Where did it come from? How did it sure. start? So, you know, I mentioned my little detour into darkness. That's my best way to like sum up this crazy part of my life. Um, which actually, you know, just to candidly, I, I, mean, it, I ended up at homeless at 21. <laughs> and so, you know, it was really interesting that I looked back down and went from like this homeless boy to the creator of homes. It's just such a, a whole other story in and of itself. But I do believe in the, that the, it's in the power of the home. Because when I did my first house, when I had all of these pieces put together and I'd curated and found all these things I loved, when I would walk in that door, I felt completely different no matter what kind of day I had. It's that feeling when you walk in and you're like, oh, it was good to be home. Or you come back from a trip and even though it's an amazing trip and you're on this beach vacation, it's like you walk in your home and if you're like, oh my God, it's so good to be home. It's like, okay, well then you're on to, you're on to something because that's exactly what our home should be doing for us because what that is actually happening in your body is a chemical was just released in your brain that is, is giving your nervous system a chance to relax because that's con your brain is constantly releasing chemicals based on what you're taking in. It's, and we used to kind of kind of suspect that and we kind of knew that we were having that reaction, but we didn't know why. But even since COVID, there's been so much more research to come out around neuroscience and how they're able to monitor the chemicals in the brain when people are having certain stimulus. Right. And they they found that, like, if there is I was about to cuss. Thank God I didn't. I was about to say, <laughs> uh, I'm like, if there is stuff, if there is stuff all over the place. Well, you're probably going to feel a little chaotic and your your nervous system is going to be a little activated, right? Um, which is why when you're in nature and things have a little bit more orderly and, and kind of like, um, even there might be a lot going on, it's kind of contained in a very beautiful, structured way. It's like you feel peaceful and relaxed. But if your, stuff, if your desk is piled with a million things, it is going to be really hard for you to get centered and to think because there's this, all this stimulus. And so... That's why it's really important. I mean, you hear people all the time, it's like, clear the clutter, clear the clutter. And we kind of know that. Um, and it's stressful to think to have to do it. But how many times do you might walk? I mean, this happened. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass myself here. I'm just going to tell you. I'm like, we, you think designers have it all together? It's kind of like the cobbler's kids, the last half the shoes. 
I have had a broken refrigerator handle on the panel of my refrigerator. And then there's even a little note reminding people not to use it because it's going to fall off. So you have to open the freezer and then you have to open the door. I'm afraid to tell you how long that's been on there like that. Because I've been traveling a ton. My husband's traveling a ton. The handyman hasn't been able to get over there to help us. And I sure don't know how to take an integrated panel off the door. Um, but every time I go to do that, I'm like, ugh. This, and it stresses me out that it hasn't been taken care of. And I almost kind of feel bad or guilty about myself. And it's like, okay, so I don't even need to have those kind of emotions and energy in my body if I would just call a different handyman or somebody to, to fix this that maybe maybe or not has been there like for like two months. Um but those kinds of things, if they're constantly kind of triggering these responses or you're walking in the kitchen, you're like, God, I got to do those dishes. And you have that reaction every time you come in. It's like you're producing cortisol and stress hormones in your brain that are dumping into your body, which are just not good for you for one. And two, you just basically didn't feel good. So if we really start to pay attention to how our environment impacts the way we feel, I always say when you live better, you feel better. And if you feel better, you do better in the world. Period. Um, and it's absolutely true. And so back at that home in, 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 in Brome, Texas, I really started to see like the power of the home. And, and when I was there, it's like, I, you know, I have a meditation practice. I'm a certified meditation teacher. And I just love all of that stuff and spirituality. But I kind of kept it in the closet at first when I was a designer because I didn't want people to think, especially back then, because um, I had even talked about it like with my branding. They're like, oh, no, 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 leave off there. You don't alienate anybody. Don't be too, woo. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Um, be very professional, be very, you know, dressed up. It's like you do the formula. Um, and so I, I, you know, I did kind of do my own thing, but I didn't quite talk about it much. And so then actually probably a few years in, I'm like, I cannot keep these two things separate. Like I have this whole spiritual side of myself, which is really about body, mind, spirit, space, uh, and what, which equates to wellness, um, which is a word everyone can relate to. And then Interior design and homes and, and living beautifully, not just the home. It's some of these shows, it's like you get the big reveal moment, but then it's like nobody's teaching them how to live a beautiful life. It's like, well, hold on now. There's what happens after the big reveal. Um, and so uh, that's when I decided that I had to merge my two loves one way or the other. And I started talking about, you know, your home can be your sanctuary. And people were like, oh, I don't know if I would say that. And of course, this was like eight years ago. And so it was still at the time. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if you should say that because people might take it the wrong way. And I'm like, no, but it's true. It's like many people have their own spiritual paths. There's the world has changed and your home needs to be that for you. Um, and it is the place we go to after the end of a stressful day at work, or we've had a bad breakup and we need to kind of go and go within and kind of like heal our hearts. Right. Um, we need a, we need a beautiful space to do that. in. it's like, why do, why do we love going to spas? Right. It's because it feels good. It helps us relax. And there's reasons for that. And so, we need to know who we are, though, in order to be able to create the sanctuary that's right for us, because the sanctuary that's right for me is not necessarily the sanctuary that's right for you. And so that's why my job is so important to help you figure out who you are, because for me, just to give you something like a cookie cutter look that I do would be kind of an injustice really, to you because it's maybe not going to cater to your needs. How funny that, like, you know, you said eight years ago, people thought that was crazy. And then COVID sort of. It changed. That's when like it changed. proved your point for you. you know? It did. I and mean, all of a sudden, everybody starts calling me like, oh, my God, you've been saying this forever. They're like, oh, my God. And, and now Cadillac's even calling the car sanctuary. It's like sanctuary is now just like overused. That's, now. A, that's a bit but much. It is a little bit. I saw that billboard. And I'm like, 
let, 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 let our cars be your sanctuary. I was like, oh, come on. But I could see uh, it, yeah. I guess, on the road, whatever. It's stressful. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to really go there, I mean, let's I guess when stretch. my car is clean, I do feel better. See, but, it's true. That know. is true. And you feel guilty or maybe a little shame if somebody's going to get in your car and you hadn't cleaned it out a little bit and you're like throwing stuff in the back seat. You're like, oh, God. Um, anyway, so those are little moments of that, that if we can reduce some of those, the, yeah, uh, there's a sense of, it's like they say, how do you build self-esteem? It's like, by doing esteemable acts. And so the same thing is kind of true for wanting to feel better in your life. It's like, well, then do things that actually make you feel better. Um, so, yeah, so I, I just find it so fascinating um, and so powerful that that our homes really do get to be the source. And so, like I said, you know, some, some clients do have a meditation practice, so they do, you know, have a place they want to be able to designate for yoga. And that also came about with COVID. It's more of a request now than it ever was before. And that's amazing because they actually show that like, if you meditate in the same spot, every time you go to meditate, you're going to drop into a state faster because your body has like memory recall. And so it, it will automatically help you have an enhanced meditation. Um, and we, and we all, and this was another word that people are like, mm, talking about like, you know, having an altar, right. And it's like, Y'all, come on. It's really just a place where you have all these things that have special meaning for you and that help you feel good when you see it. So like for me, it's like I'll have like I have like this little beautiful bowl with like a picture, my favorite picture of me and my mom and me and my dad. And then I'll have a couple of my some stones that I got on different trips or like. And so when I kind of like sit in front of that to meditate, like I'm connected to all these amazing memories and all this amazing love. And I'm reminded, even if I'm going through a really difficult time, that it's like, oh, my God, no, that's only part of the story. Because sometimes we can get in this place where we're only identifying with one emotion or one part that's not going well. But there might be nine that are. And it's just it's just the mind's way of always kind of going to that one and fixating on it. So like when we have these other reminders in our home, it's like, oh, yeah, that's not the whole story. Oh, I'm telling myself a false narrative. Like I do have a beautiful life. I do have an amazing life. There are good things going on. And I also feel terrible when I just crawl the sheets and not come out for two days. Like both can simultaneously be true. But we do need those reminders sometimes to help us know that like there are all these wonderful people and things um, and memories and good times. And it's like, even if we're in a dark time now, those things remind us that like the good times are going to come again too, because it's all about cycles. So does a stylized bookshelf with all my favorite things count as my altar? Yes. Of course. I think you have little altars <laughs> everywhere, truthfully. I love um, a good vignette. Because that's really, <laughs> yeah, well, see, and that's really what an altar is basically, right? It's, it's a vignette. And in, in some Religious traditions, it means, you know, different things or it, it is a place of like putting things and showing respect or devotion and, and something that you feel reverence towards. And that can be many different things. And just having these little groupings and collections of things and how you even spin it or place it and having fun with it and doing it is is a way of like connecting and being creative in your own way. And so uh, I just love and I encourage people to do that. How would you suggest getting started? You know, if someone who's listening is intrigued and but they're, you know, they're not decorating a home from from scratch and they're. Yeah, perfect. Like, what, what would you where would they start? Well, I would say, I mean, one thing that that I do sometimes I actually literally just did this on Sunday. I was like, I walk into I walked in the door and I'm like, I'm tired of this being here. And this is all the same. Actually, these aren't even the prettiest pieces that I have. And I think I've got. Uh, so I literally 
pulled from a, d- a couple of places that I'm like, I'm tired of the way these top of these dressers look or this console or this bookshelf. Pulled it all off the shelf, set it on the table, and just like, I'm starting over. Um, because when we get to used to see it a certain way or you're trying to swap one piece out, you're not going to have the blank canvas. And the blank canvas, the empty space, is like where new beginnings happen, right? It's, the, it's like the pure potentiality of a space, which is always, for me, the most fun of a project sometimes. It's like, oh, my God, what could this be? Um, and so when I do all of that and pull it all onto a table, it's like, okay, let's just start over and intuitively feel like, what do we want to put together? And a lot of it is just trial and error, and it's about heights and proportion and scales. Like, no, this is too tall for this piece. No, that doesn't really prop out this color. Oh, this too too much contrast. Um, and just start playing with it, having fun. And I think sometimes we take it ourselves too seriously and live with it for a few days. And if you're walking by it and it's bothering you, well, then it's not quite right. And you will know when it, you got it right because it's going to feel good. And you'll be like, oh, God, that does look good. Um, so it's it's pretty simple in that way. And then I'll actually just, I mean, I'm going to plug myself here for a second. But on my website, I actually created um, like a 23-page PDF of how to create a sacred space at home. And it, it just talks into like some of the design 101 stuff. It talks about a lot of the questions that I ask, finding your inspiration. Um, but there's a whole section about creating a meditation space, creating your own rituals, creating a, cre- how to create an altar. And so it really kind of gives you these just basics really quickly of how to do that. It's free if you want it. Um, but, it but it has all those little tips in there of just like how to start living more beautifully in your home, even once it's decorated. Do you find that most of your clients sort of come to you because of this approach or are you converting them to this approach? So it's interesting. I would say before COVID, nobody was saying that's why they were coming to me. Uh, I did have one client who was like, I'm really intrigued by this. Like, I don't really understand. She was, we've become such good friends. She's like, I don't really understand what you're saying and some of the things about your philosophy or whatever, but I'm intrigued by it. I'm going to say that. That's me right now. Um, I'm like, like, she's like, but, but. But she's like, but she's like, what I did love about it is when you were talking about being present and how important it is for families to spend time together. She's like, I believe in that. And she's like, so I want to know more about what you would say to do about that as we're building our home. And I'm like, oh, honey, sit down. Let's start talking. I got so many ideas. <laughs> um, so just to give you a couple ideas right now is like, you know, we got this beautiful decorative box and she loves to do sit down dinners um, at least, you know, a couple times a week with the whole family. And she's like, peeling, you know, on their phones. And I was like. No, no, no. When we have a new space and we do our big debut, here's the big, beautiful box. And at 7.30 or 8 o'clock or whatever time y'all decide is right for y'all or before dinner, the phones go in the box and everyone's going to get real present at the dinner table. No distractions. Mm-hmm. And we're going to listen to each other and we're going to actually talk. Uh, and then after dinner, I, she had two young girls and I, we got a cush ball, like this old squishy balls. And they would sit in a circle and they would toss the ball to somebody. And if you caught the ball, you had to say something you were grateful for. So by making it kind of fun and interactive, even if it's just for five minutes, um, really starts to get the kids engaged. And, and I think another way I do that is I have little design meetings with the kids and I do their presentations to them and their parents once their parents have reviewed it first, because I feel like what a great opportunity for the kids to get to be involved in what they're surrounding themselves with. Because if we're impacted by it, they might be too. So just mm-hmm. because we think that's going to be cute for our kids, but they actually really like fun patterns. It's like, well, let's give them some fun patterns. Um, and I asked them some questions too. And sometimes they get Pinterest boards. And even during COVID, I was doing Zoom meetings with clients, with, with kids. Um, and the parents love it too. Because then I also do this thing where I'm like, now, your parents are giving you a really amazing gift, get, helping, letting you create your own new room. So what do you think that means? And they're like, what? I'm like, you got to take care of it. You got to keep it neat and tidy. 
because mm-hmm. they're giving you this gift. So the parents are like, yeah, you know, say <laughs> like, do more of that. So, but it is, it's just education and teaching it and making it not so light and heavy and serious because it just doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. We need more lightness. I'm always saying like, how do we leave the room lighter than we found it? Mm-hmm. That's my motto. I love like that saying. It, yeah. I, I mean, I just really live by that. I'm like, especially when I was, you know, living in New York full time and I was just overstimulated and overwhelmed and the noises and the horns and the people and like, I can't believe people didn't hold the door for people. And I was like, this is wild to me. And then nobody speaks. And I asked, literally asked one uh, lady one day at a, a checkout counter. I said, how are you? She said, who, me? And I said, yeah. She's like, nobody ever asked me that. And I'm like, well, I'm asking you. And she's like, well. I guess I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for asking. And it was just really interesting, right? That, um, but it, it's a different world and it's fast. And so people just don't have time. I get it. Once I was there, I got it. But um, always think about it. even though it was like getting in a cab and just being polite and kind and saying thank you. It's just simple things like that raises and brings more light and the vibration of a space and actually ends up making you feel pretty good too. That that's your your southern, yeah. I feel like it's really coming out. I feel like it's, the, <laughs> I feel so, like this, I'm, I'm getting real so, because the more I start to get into well, like this no, little more the, preacher the, the mode. Friendliness. I love the friendliness. Yeah, and that is something that's, yeah. you know, you what's interesting granted. I find too is that like, if I'm not feeling like I want to be that friendly, that's when I need to be friendlier mm. because mm-hmm. that's my own medicine. Because I know if I can start asking people more about them instead of just thinking about Oh, that thing uh, and nothing's working out and stress this thing and I can't get that job on time. It's like if I'm just in that space all the time, then I will go into a funk pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so the way to get out of that is to get out of myself and start asking other people how they're doing and how can mm-hmm. I be of service? Anything I can do to help you? And all of that stuff just sort of starts helps to raise us out of those darker periods. Yeah, and I think like uh, you know, kind of connecting and being more observant of the others around you it always helps me feel more grateful for my own, you know, just, I don't know, even just like going to the grocery store and, or whatever, just going out and like paying attention to others. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's just paying, it's paying attention. I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head because when you're paying attention, you're being in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And that really is the only moment we actually have. And that is what is real. And so when we can stay out of the past and not overanalyze in the future, what's going to happen, then we really are just able to kind of be this witness and the observer. And even just a, 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 a grocery shopping trip like that, where you probably sometimes remember those, you're like, oh my gosh, that's a beautiful watermelon. Or like, hmm, that sure is a fresh cantaloupe because you're fully present in the experience. And like, you actually probably enjoy it more. But if you go to the grocery store and you're like, oh my God, what did, did I even get that? I don't even know. And you were totally <laughs> not even present for that experience. And the same can be even as you're like washing your dishes. Like the other day, um, oh, I was doing a photo shoot because uh, traditional home's gonna, oh, I don't know if I can say that. Well, it'll be okay to say, oh no, I can't start saying it now because actually, can we celebrate another win? We were talking about that earlier. I was named one of their top 10 rising stars this month um, in oh, traditional home. Oh, yeah. Uh, and just found that out a few days ago. Um, thanks. But they were doing a shoot on a project that's going to be in their spring issue of a project of mine. And I was going to wash all of the Ironstone collection, right? Because it was a little dusty. But I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to wash all these Ironstone. You know, I was kind of having that attitude at first. But then as I started to do it, I'm like, I love these Ironstone. I've collected these Ironstone. And then it's like the warm water and the soapy suds. I'm like, I'm just going to get real present with this. And it was just like, I was just loving on my little Ironstone. And I ended up having so much fun and um, putting the Ironstone and taking good care of it. I'm like, who knew that I was actually going to enjoy that? But 
it was actually very rewarding. And then I was kind of remembering when I got each piece along the way. And so if we're present in the experience, which I'm not, uh, please do not misunderstand that I'm always like this because that is not the case. Um, but because I've had those experiences, I know when I am and also when I'm not. And I know when I'm not, I probably need to make an effort to have more of those because I know I feel better in those other places for sure. And we do have power of choice in terms of, uh, we may not have choice over our first thought, but we do have choice over our second. Love it. Are you are you a neat freak? Would you say you're a neat freak? You know what? I wouldn't say I'm a neat freak. Actually, I would say um, I like order. Mm-hmm. So my house might might be a little dusty at places and stuff at times. Um, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me as much. But everything's going to be put in its place mm-hmm. because if something is is kind of out of place, then I kind of don't. I'm not, I can't be quite as calm as I might need to be. Um, I'm not so crazy that like if somebody, you know, turned a rock the wrong way or whatever, that it's going to freak me out. But like, <laughs> I just can't have like stuff around that needs to be put in drawers and that don't always open my drawers because they may not always be the most organized, but the stuff will be put away. There will not be stuff all over the counters in the kitchen and all, I can't have all of that because I need to reduce, you can see I have a fast mind, right? So like I need my environment to help ground me. I have no earth in my chart whatsoever, my astrological chart. And so it is very important for me to find ways to be grounded because I would otherwise air, water and fire. So really need to work on that grounding. And so my house needs to help me do that. I I have accepted and as I've gotten older that being having good habits around like keeping things tidy is very calming. Mm-hmm. So even though I might dread actually cleaning once I start cleaning and when things are clean, I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. Uh, see, that, that's exactly it. That's the wellness in the home. And that's happening because there's chemicals that are releasing in your brain that are making, helping you feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also that sense of accomplishment, which when we have a sense of accomplishment, we get a dopamine hit, right? And things that are actually harder to mm-hmm. do or that push us a little bit, we get a bigger dopamine hit. There's a greater reward in that. Um, things that are easy, we don't necessarily get a dopamine release because it's too easy. Like our brains respond more to challenge. And that's why exercise, sometimes when you push yourself more, you actually feel amazing after an exercise, even though you thought it was going to kill you and you definitely didn't want to do it to begin with. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, there, and so now it's really interesting that now people have gotten so specific with that. And there's like so many great podcasts where you can learn about it. It's like, you can actually help yourself release chemicals in your brain that are going to help you get out of a bad mood because there are certain things you could do to do that. And it's just wild to me. It's like you can be your own medicine without actually having to take other medicine. It's wild. And then I'm going to really geek out now because (laughs) now there's a new, now there's a new subset of neuroscience called neuroaesthetics, Mm. which is even a more particular study on the study of how beauty impacts the brain. Mm. And this gets really fascinating because Okay, here's the, here's, the tr- here's the tricky part. Everyone does perceive beauty differently. Mm-hmm. It is not a one size fits all in terms of what's happening in someone's brain because it depends on what you interpret as beauty. And you know, a lot of it is like, you know, kind of based, we, we, we have a lot of collective experiences in mother nature for sure. Cause like she's the ultimate and, and she's the ultimate muse for me. Um, I always start mother nature for every project. Um, and if you want to, you want a good color palette, go walk outside in the woods, uh, look at a, look at a mossy rock on a stone and like, there you go, you're done. Um, there's so many things. So, uh, like I said, I got all lit up about it, and I told y'all y'all might have to reel me in. Um, but, but yeah. So uh, it, it's just all it's all around us. This is awesome. I, you are giving me so much fuel for 
a conversation I recently had with my husband where there's one corner of my kitchen where as soon as it's, as soon as that surface is clean, my mind goes really calm. And yeah, he's like, I'm like, that's my happy corner. And he's like, I don't see you have a happy corner. And so now you get to tell him and be like, look, this isn't about me. This is just pure science. It actually is pure science. I can't help. I'm, I don't know what to tell you. It's science. This is not me being crazy. <laughs> it's actually science. It's true. It's true. And so, yeah, the beauty part of perception. And then they started to study it. They're starting to do the studies. And, and the studies are now more and more just coming out. But um, they were first doing it like hospitals, right? Like, how do we really promote and help the healing or the or how people feel in terms of being more calm in the hospitals and we kind of knew this a little bit about spas but more there and then and a lot of it too as i say to people and this is one of the things i'm kind of quoted a lot with is like in fact my my pr company called me the other day and they're like did you tell house of garden magazine that, that they could use the, your quote for this book and i was like what do you mean and i'm like i haven't said, I, no i haven't said anything they're like well in the forward of the book they're quoting your your main quote um, and we just didn't know if you told them that was okay. And I'm like, what? Well, no, but I mean, they couldn't, yeah, they can sure use it. So they kind of built a book around the, around the quote. But basically, and it's called Seeking Sanctuary. Um, and they're featuring a few of their products, I mean, a few of their projects from, from their magazine. And in the forward, it basically talks about how creating sanctuary in your home. And it goes on to say, um, a beautiful interior is not just something we see. It's something we experience. It should engage the senses and nourish the soul. And Joshua Smith's interior designer, I'm like, oh, that's like that's a big deal to me because it's like that's that's some impact and that's that's like legacy in a way. Um, because because that is true when you're thinking about design is like you can't just think about you know how it looks, but it's like how do you feel in the space and and how do you know how we feel is like not just what we're taking in through our eyes, but what we also hear what we also, how things feel, um, what we're smelling, you know, all those things are, are doing things to our bodies and our brains. And so if we want to create these beautiful experiences, it, it is about engaging our senses in many ways. I think I saw that or maybe read that or something, that study that was talking about I felt like it was something in like a retirement home. And it's like when they had color, when the when the residents had color on their walls and they had art on their walls, they like, I don't know if they, I can't remember what the result was, but it was good. <laughs> the mood is uplifted. It's like these, sometimes it's like we used to think of the, like these sterile white environments or whatever, that's what people needed or whatever. And it's like, no, that's actually not what they need. They need an art to me. I mean, mother nature and art, as they are like some of the two biggest components, um, incorporating mother nature into your home, but also, art too speaks to everyone so differently mm -hmm. um but it does have the power because it doesn't communicate with words to evoke a certain feeling i mean music has that ability too but it is oftentimes through words or even if it's just even just sometimes music with no words you can feel something but art in particular can move you in a certain way it can fire you up it can calm you down so kind of depending also on, on kind of how it speaks to you and it speaks to everyone differently is sometimes how I tell people to pick art. Sometimes some clients will say, well, now what is some of the best artists in that? I'm like, well, I can tell you that we can look at those, but I actually want to, I want you to pick art that speaks to you regardless of price point or because it's so-and-so or so-and-so. So I have a client, we actually went to an art gallery in, in New York. She's from California and we're looking for stuff for our home in Palm Springs. And I, I, liked, I like for them to go and see in person and, and kind of teach as I'm doing it because I can't help it. Um, 
But one gallery I love, Sears Paint Gallery, we um, we go in the back and she's pulling things out for us because they're so great about that. And they really teach us about because it's about what the artist is about, too. It's about their story and their philosophy and their technique and how they what's their process. Like, I want to know all of that because that in that is all infused into this painting. Um, but she my client's like, mm-hmm, yeah, like, I want to like that one. And then she pulls out this other one. And my client's like, oh. <gasps> That is beautiful. And she literally had goosebumps. I'm like, well, clearly this is, you're supposed to have this, right? Like if you have that kind of reaction, that's a full body yes. And so we have to listen to our full body yeses. So did you like build a room around that art piece or did you just work it into something you'd already created? Um, so we so oftentimes I do art early on before even sometimes I do fabrics in a way, especially key pieces, because then I can build around it. Um, it's interesting. We had actually been sourcing the day before for tile um, and, you know, uh, finishes for bathrooms. And we had really been drawn to like some of these like greens and purples together. Um, and this painting, it was like a watercolor. It's an artist, Lourdes Sanchez, who um, I actually use her work a lot because um, it's just this beautiful way she uses color and her technique with watercolor of these shapes. But there's lots of different colors in it, but those colors were definitely, definitely there. But when I saw a reaction, I'm like, oh my gosh, we are so on the right track with with where we're headed because she had this full body response to it. And so noticing, like as a designer, noticing those things when my clients have those reactions, I mean, I've had that where I've shown a fabric and the client's like, oh my God, I just love this one. It's like, well, okay, well that's clearly gonna be worked into the scheme or it needs prime, prime location in there because they love it so much. And so looking around for that, but looking even for yourself when you're out looking at things, looking at a magazine, if you're like, oh, you know, if you have that response, like pay attention to that and, and try to find more of that for yourself. And, and when you're trying to, it's like, I can't decide if I should have this or not. Well, did you have that kind of reaction? If you didn't, it might be a no or maybe at least. But if you're not really like super loving it and convinced, don't try to talk yourself into it. Find the better piece. Or don't let your friend or your oh, spouse yes. or whatever partner talk you into it either. I know, don't let them do it. <laughs> don't let them do it. Hold your ground and, and just trust your intuition. Learn to go within and ask yourself. Well, they do have this, there's a technique called, um, oh God, what is the name of it? Well, the name escapes me, but I'm gonna tell you how to do it. When you're making a decision about something, you're just like, what does my mind think about this? And see what it says. And then say, okay, well, how, what, how does my heart think about this? And then you say, what does my intuition think about this? And see if there's congruency. Hmm. And sometimes there is, and sometimes there isn't. Try it, you'll be surprised. And people say, well, I don't hear anything. I'm like, yes, you will. <laughs> yes, everybody will. But if you get still and quiet enough, that little voice within, you'll be able to hear it. It's that first thought when you're in that quiet, still place. And it's like, wow, it really was actually different. That's interesting. Um, so I always say like stillness is everything. It's like if anything you want to know can be found out in the stillness, if you have the courage to sit still. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes courage sometimes because some of the thoughts that run through our minds, we're just like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know if this, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm okay. <laughs> um, but really that's actually what's supposed to happen. And, and in meditation, it's so funny. People are like, oh, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. I'm like, why? You can't sit still? And they're like, well, no, because I can't clear my mind. I'm like, that's not really what meditation is. People think it's about clearing your mind. It's like, that's great if that happens. But I had a meditation teacher tell me once, it's like, what happens when the meditation cushion is really none of your business. Your job is to sit down and get still um, and be the observer of it. And if it's complete chaos and madness, well, then just witness it. But can you sit still and learn to be comfortable with the chaos. That's the whole key, because it's not about what happens on the mat. It's like how you go and live out in the world 
from that practice is like spiritual fitness almost, right? Like if you go to the gym and you get strong, but then you stop going to the gym, well, you're not going to be as strong. So the same is true for like daily practices of mm. meditation or prayer, whatever you find that helps you connect to that stronger part of yourself. Because it, again, it's like, it's learning to, to, to cultivate our inner strength and our resilience. And so sitting there, even though you want to just jump off that mat, don't learn to learn to sit with the discomfort. Um, and then you'll also get a dopamine hit because you were able to sit through the discomfort and you start to get less and less uncomfortable when there's, things that are uncomfortable because you're practicing it. It's pretty, it's fascinating. It's just fascinating to me. Josh, I feel like we could just chat all day. Oh, and I would <laughs> like, too, because I just don't stop talking. Sometimes my husband's like, um, are you about done? Because I really need to get some work done. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll go call somebody else because I'm not done. I got some other things to share. <laughs> so I know I, I, do have, I do have to so remember. I was, at, I was at a gender party the other night and they were asking me questions. So I'm like telling all kinds of stories. I'm like, oh my God, can somebody else please tell the story. I feel like I'm like just telling too many and they're like, no, actually this is amazing. Like tell us more. I'm like, well, I'm like, well, I don't want to be the one just, you know, hogging the whole dinner conversation. Uh, and sometimes I'm like that. And other times I'm very introverted and I'm just like, you know what? I just need to be quiet. I need, some, I need y'all to do it. You know, do it today. I just need to be here. Like after those long days of installs or long photo shoots, y'all know how those are go. People think it's like, oh, wasn't that so fun? I'm like, mm. I mean, it, it was, but like, you don't understand how grueling it is to kind of like load all that stuff up and then load it out and then just like style every shot and be on your feet and you're thinking and you're like looking and you're that, and then you're moving it. It's like, it's it's pretty intense. Like I talk to some of my photographers sometimes like, how do y'all do this every other day or like three days at a time every week in different cities? Crazy. I'd need, I'd need a whole day to decompress after a photo shoot. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm like, just laid out. Mm-hmm. It is funny how, um, okay, then we have to actually move on to our okay. question. But yeah. I was so, just going to so. say, no, it's crazy how people perceive outwardly what a photo shoot is. And then if you ever witness one, what it actually is. You know, they're basically in complete contrast. You know, people mm-hmm. imagine them as being like so glamorous and fun and creative. And, and they vast. are kind of. But they can't like only it how long it takes. 10% of it. And the other 90% is just like carrying around heavy stuff. I mean, literally you can spend 30 minutes tweaking things like maybe an inch. Oh, that was an inch too far. Nope. Because you're looking at it on the commuter monitor and you're like, "Mm, that's from the camera angle. That's not good. Like there needs to be a staggering here, but that's a little too much. Go over there and move that two inches. I mean, so it can take an hour sometimes to get the best shot. It's pretty wild. Mm Mm-hmm. It is, it is. Okay, we have a question, though. Okay. Yes. Yes, let's get to the We have a a dilemma from Kelly. So I'm going to read it, and then you're going to help her. I feel like this is going to be a softball for you, but... I, don't want, I guess I shouldn't jinx it. Okay, she says, hey, ladies, I'm sending in decorating d- dilemma number two before the work, first one I sent has even been answered yet. <laughs> Clearly, I'm running into some dilemmas while trying to decorate my space. First and foremost, forgive my absolutely hor- horrible editing of these photos. Oh, no, it's great. She's sort of mocked up the, the, the options she's about to present to you. Um, well done, Kelly. Okay, please help me with the window treatments for this awkward five foot two inch gap between the top of my window molding and the ceiling. I've considered some options shown in the poorly edited photos and I would love your feedback. Uh, the tr- note that the drapery would go all the way to the floor and the ceiling fan is being replaced with a light fixture that is centered on the windows. Okay. 
To further complicate matters, I only have four inches of space between the brick and the window molding, eight inches of space between the bookshelf and the window molding, and around seven inches of space between the window moldings. I love the look of full drapery, but I find it challenging to achieve that look without covering up the view that I love outside the windows. Help. Best. Kelly. Okay, so she kind of has this great big living room. Um, there's sort of a brick wall on one side and a brick fireplace on the other side. And then on the back wall, she's got a three huge sort of arched windows. Um, but the room appears to be kind of like a, almost like a double story, maybe not quite that high, but like, you know, what, 12 plus yep. feet ceilings. And so the top of her window molding, there's five feet above the top of the window molding and it's arched windows to the ceiling. So she's struggling with how to dress these gorgeous windows um, because it's such a tall ceiling and because I guess the space between the three arched windows is like narrow. So Josh, what are okay. your thoughts? Well, first of all, let me just tell Kelly, like I was about to offer her a job because I thought these drawings were pretty, pretty dang good <laughs> and that she had so many different options that she had already come up with and she had paid attention to so many details. I was like, oh, she knows what's up. Kelly knows what she's doing. Um, so good job there for sure. Um, and I also think I'm like, I, I don't think they're awkward. I think they're amazing, these ceilings. Um, and the fact that you have that much space to play with sometimes can feel super challenging, but it's actually gives you so many options because sometimes it's like there really isn't a wrong option because it's ultimately going to be beautiful no matter what. But can it be a little bit better or is there maybe a better way to do it? Of course. And so when I looked at this and thank you for even kind of sketching these things up because then it saved me some time trying to trying to trying to come up with a solution because I was like, oh, but I loved when you um, you know, when I saw the one where it's like you have your panels and then you had another alternative where you had the panels and you're like, maybe I should consider adding Roman shades since the rod is so much above, so, so much higher than the tops of the windows that at least you don't see as much distance. But then as I did that, I said, well, gosh, well now, even though you're not really covering up the windows, there's so much fabric up there that I actually am not looking out the windows. I'm probably gonna be looking at the fabric. And you want to actually just be framing that view that you love so much, and it is a gorgeous view and so much light. So then I thought, okay, well then now what do we, what do, we do? And then I was looking at your rod placement of, of a couple of different places. Like you could place it really close to the crown and have all the space. You could kind of do it like three quarters of the way with the Romans. Um, and then you had one where it was just maybe, uh, I would say 12 to 18 inches above the, the tops of the casings and the bar there. I'm like, that looks a good distance. And then you still have this beautiful soaring ceiling. And then I thought, okay, here's what she needs to do. Soft needs to feel very, very soft because you have the brick and the brick and you don't want these to be heavy and you have narrow space between your windows. So shears would be amazing for you because if you don't necessarily need privacy here because maybe it's a backyard area um, or if you do need privacy, you can have a long, a wide width of, of shears that's going to give you some of that without having chunky fabric that's taking up and blocking your light. Mm -hmm. So beautiful long shears would be just so gorgeous and soft, especially going to the floor. And then instead of like a very tailored clean line Roman, I would do them as the scoop. Mm -hmm. Almost the, kind of like the 90 degree of the arch of the window and do stationary 
Romans. You don't need to lower these because you have the, the screen. I mean, the, the you'll have the shears for privacy, but just have it where your rod is just to barely over the cross um, the top of your um, windows. And what you're going to have is that even though you have all these hard lines and strong structure and beautiful view, you kind of just created this light sort of little scoop effect. And so you'll have three scoops and you'll have these vertical panels, but it'll all just feel super soft. And I would probably do my shears in something, uh, a solid, and then let the scoop be just a subtle pattern. Mm. Don't compete with your view because you're saying that's what you love so much. So if you have a real bold, crazy pattern, you're competing with your view. We want to highlight the view, but we want to we want to frame it, and I think that is is how you'll you'll nail this. So if she has like the scooped relaxed Roman, yeah, they call it yeah the, the relaxed Roman um, or scooped Roman. Yes, people call them different ones. Yeah, would like the okay. She's got this arch. Like would the the top of the scoop, you know, like the top part. Her, her windows are almost like inverted. Yes. Right. So that's what's so tricky. So we're actually just going to kind of cover that up, really. Okay. So it's going to. And the scoop's going to come down. Mm -hmm. Got it. That's okay. what I was kind of saying. It's like more like a, almost like a scallop, right? Yes. It's going to be, there are three of those going that way as opposed to just straight across because that's what was starting to look so boxy and heavy oh. um, when it was also linear with the brick walls. And it's like, how do, well, how do we give it some soft, some softness, right? And it's like, mm -hmm. well, rounded edges bring softness. And so if we just have yes. these be a little more scooped, um, then we've got all this vertic verticality and these, and we've, but we've kind of broken up some of the, the linearness. Um, and it, and it kind of balances out that yin and yang. I think about that a lot of times too in decorating. It's like, oh yeah, all this brick is very like, you know, strong, you know, more masculine energy. And then of course we add these more delicate scoops and it's like more of a little bit feminine energy and the two together, well, that's what makes the magic mm -hmm. in these cases. Okay. And that's, and so she's, she's really only doing it because it looks like the, the height that you were suggesting is almost like um, the same height as the bookcase. So it's really only like a foot to a foot and a half over the top of her molding. Yeah, and so that's why the key is to do a stationary and not a full because you would have so much fabric that it would have to take up some of your light. So if you don't want to take up your light, but you want the look, you use you get to use less fabric mm -hmm. by going with the stationary. Um, so you still get the look of the scoop of the Roman, but you, it's not so much fabric that um, you're you're blocking a lot of view since your rod is not at the the higher level. Got it. I think it's going to look gorgeous. I mean, to your oh. point, it's such a pretty window that like any of the options are, are going to look nice. It's just which one would be the most balanced, I guess. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, looking at her other choices kind of was, it goes with what we were talking about earlier, right? It's like those windows and that view and the green of the trees, she's kind of had everything else be a little quieter. So it, mm -hmm. that view really does stand out. And it not only is the windows, but it's the art for this room, mm -hmm. right? It, it is the, that is a whole landscape, literally, um, of, of art that she's highlighted and kept mm -hmm. everything else a little softer and quieter, which I think um, is exactly what I always encourage clients to do is if you've got a view or something you'd love to look out the window, then let's don't, just don't compete with that. Let's just highlight it. And so the shears and the sort of subtle pattern should all be sort of like in the cream fan family. That's what you're thinking? Um, or yeah, I think she'd do cream. Or if she wanted, I would do cream for sure for the um, for the verticals. But if she felt like she wanted a subtle contrast, like even a celadon, just a simple celadon, 
um, could be really beautiful to add mm. some variation, but still very muted colors and kind of still working within the color palette right outside the windows. But just for a little visual interest, if she felt like she wanted to up, up it a little bit, everybody's got their kind of preferences. Um, but but that would be a great way to do it. Okay. Well, good luck, Kelly. So, uh, somebody better send pictures well, when it's she'll done. she'll be reaching out anyway. You offered her a job, so. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, I was like, gosh, she's, I don't even know how to do this. <laughs> I'm usually like, I'm like, can somebody help me? I need to put some things here and do whatever. <laughs> They're like, Josh, it's in the PDF thing. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to, I just don't know how to print on the on <laughs> Adobe. They're like, we've showed you this a million times. I'm like, I know, remember I told you all in design school, I couldn't even do it. It's still life. <laughs> oh my God, you, you got you to work towards your strengths. So you mm -hmm. got to know your strengths and then you amplify those and then you surround yourself with people that have the others. And then together you make a really great team. Mm -hmm. I used to beat myself up because I was not, as amazing of an executor as other people were. And I was like, oh wait, no, 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 you be you. And then you get that executor version that loves to be that. And then they feel good that they're supporting you and you feel good that they're supporting you. And then it's like a win-win. Love it. Set up for success. That's right. <laughs> Josh, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you and see all of your work? Oh, okay. Well, let's, um, let's see. So it's Joshua Smith Inc. Inc dot com is my website and for my website um there's my portfolio is on there my philosophy um i also uh talk about my six pillars of of design and what my design process is and i kind of break that down for you there um and then there's the free download with kind of like this little workbook starting with like getting to know yourself and how do you find inspiration and it takes you through all the aspects you think about when you're designing a home and then it gets to the part about how you live um and touches on those other things and then at uh, my handle for everything is at Joshua Smith Inc. So I'm on Instagram and Pinterest and I've tried to do that TikTok thing, y'all. I did I did it one time. Um, because I was like, let me just try this. And I really stepped out of my comfort zone. I was doing a photo shoot actually at a, on a Fifth Avenue apartment across from the Met. I don't think my clients on TikTok. Show. I don't know if she'd like it or not. Anyway, when we finished this photo shoot, I just decided to do a cartwheel in the middle of the living room just to see if I could do one. And I was like, isn't this what you're supposed to do on TikTok? It's just crazy stuff so that people will share it. And sure enough, it was like 70,000 something likes for me doing a cartwheel at a photo shoot. Now that's really the last one I ever did <laughs> because it's social First media is just to keep up go. with. Exactly, but Instagram, <laughs> I'm consistent. I'm very consistent on Instagram. And I also have a really amazing blog that I call Blissful Living where I'm talking about all these concepts, um, all this inspirational stuff. Um, and also, there's also sometimes handbooks and workouts and all, worksheets of things that you can do to really kind of make this a very interactive process. Cause I do feel like a lot of that's what this is about. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun. Oh. And like I said, I feel like we could have probably chatted for another hour, but oh, I just love I think it. we just have to do it again. Right. We didn't even get to the, your pillars of design, which I had on my list, but. Well, and I just launched two weeks ago, pillars of six pillars of blissful living. Mm, okay. Did the whole blog post on it and people really have reacted very, they have loved it because I do think there is that like, okay, well, I got my beautiful home and my dreams. Now what do I do? How do I keep that going? And it's like, yeah, making the mundane. Okay. So there's six pillars that teach you how to start doing that, incorporating that. And I'm all about ease and comfort and nothing's to be overcomplicated. Everything else is. But how do we create more of these beautiful moments in just kind of the everyday, everyness of life? And there's subtle ways we can do that just to have more meaningful experiences by engaging the senses in all of our activities. So I need to go read that, Cam. It's, it's actually, we, I, I would, would actually say when, when I, I kind of like free write and, and, you know, it, 
I just let it flow. And then um, Caitlin, who's on my team, she kind of polishes it up or whatever. And when she's able to narrow down all my ramblings and to like concise sentences that are really understandable, <laughs> I like, I almost went into weak because I'm like, oh my God, that's what I've been trying to say. That's exactly what I've been trying to say all this time. <laughs> and you so understood it. And so it was just really sweet. So like I said, surround yourself with people that can kind of help polish up your things if you, you're not the best at getting to the point. Sometimes my husband's like, Josh, what are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm like, I'm an external processor. I'm going to get there eventually. Um, so anyway, like I said, I'll keep talking. So I'm going to be quiet. But this was so fun. Thank y'all for having me. I'm happy to hop on here anytime, clearly. I mean, if y'all need a, a fourth host anytime or fill in, I'm happy to do it. Just let me know. I, I, I have this other like performer side of me and another life that doesn't get to come out very often. So let, so let me know. Awesome. Sounds like you need a Blissful Living podcast, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. We'll see. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!